beginning. Welcome to the Grief Dreams Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. We always love your support and that you're listening. It means a lot to all of us. And so I'm your host today, Joshua Black. I'm doing the Grief Dreams research at Brock University. And our co-host, unfortunately, couldn't be here for this one because um, it's going to be a good one. So I feel bad for them, but you know, I'm excited to be able to talk to this guest. And what's interesting about our guests, why I love the podcast so much, is that we talk to people from all sorts of careers and walks of life. And I'm really excited because we've never talked to anyone who was a publicist or a media consultant. So this is going to be really interesting and probably has a lot of uh, tips on her journey and maybe what can help maybe some of you who are trying to find a way to use your grief in a meaningful way. I know a lot of people write books and stuff, so I'm guessing she maybe has some tips for you. So today we have Joanne McCall, and she works with authors to help them become media darlings. Cute little word. <laughs> and uh, she gets the media to call them. Her secret sauce is helping authors, speakers, coaches, and entrepreneurs position themselves and their books to deliver fantastic interviews and capture media attention through the various media channels now available. She's on a first name basis with hundreds of top rung producers, editors, writers, and journalists. And you can find, she has videos on her website, so you can find more about her at joannemccall.com. And so Joanne, thank you for coming in today. Tasha, it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. Hey, you know, it's, it's so interesting because I, I was looking at your website and you had a, a little you know, I guess a five minute sort of intro video to yourself. And you actually mentioned sort of a, a death in your life. And I thought that was so beautiful and where it took you. So I'm really excited to actually get your story because when you said that, I'm like, my ears perked up. I'm like, I wonder, wonder what else is, you know, I wonder like what kind of hidden knowledge this woman has. So I'm looking forward to our conversation. Thank you. I'm, I'm looking forward to it too. And yeah, when we were doing that video, I, I didn't know I was going to bring that up. You know, it's that's sort of how it is sometimes. I'm sure you found that doing the podcast. Suddenly you find yourself telling a story that you weren't necessarily planning on, but it actually turns out to be uh, something that is very rich, not only for yourself, but others who happen to hear it or see it. And uh, that's what I found. More people have commented on that than I could even say. So I know it's had an impact. That's interesting. And, and it just, it makes you more genuine. I think that's a beauty of, I think in this field, anytime you're, you, you probably more to say about this, but you know, being genuine is probably the, the best quality I see in people who come on the podcast and who people enjoy is those people who open their lives a little bit to others. I agree. The one thing we share is our humanity, and there are certain things that each of us will encounter in our life's path. And one of them, of course, is loss, and it can happen, you know, many, many times. So it's definitely a shared experience. And although people don't generally talk about it in the media day to day and every day when you say, well, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. You know, those kind of natural responses. So when someone says something that kind of breaks through that, that we all can relate to in one way or another, and if we don't right now, there will come a time when we do, uh, it can definitely make all the difference for sure. Yeah, I think yeah, it's, it's interesting how grief isn't talked about more. And I think this is sort of the reason for the podcast is to sort of raise awareness on the grief journey. But, you know, I think when people talk about loss, it connects to that part of themselves that they don't really connect with. Because it's not all—it's not everywhere, right? People aren't talking about it. So when people do talk about it, like it—it it, it pulls something apart of them, and that's why like songs that deal with grief, it really can break people down. Because there's just something you know that I think like humans long to talk about this stuff. It's just not in our culture. It's such a huge part of life, which is exactly what you're saying. Uh, loss is everywhere, whether it's growing up and losing our childhood to. You know, a first pet that you lose, and then um, it can be, you know, ending first grade, going into second, on into high school, into college, and losing grandparents. Loss and grief is everywhere, and you're right, it's not talked about enough. And I think the fact that you're doing this podcast is just such a service. And the quality of the people that you talk to is just phenomenal, because I, I've heard a number of them, and, and people really do share their stories. And again, we can all relate to it to one degree or another, or we will for sure in the future. Yeah, it's, it's very true. So I'm really curious about just like how you even started in this position, because it's so unique. It's not something I don't know. Can you even go to school for it? Like I've never like 
I, I know of people who are like, you know, publicists or media consultants, but I don't know how you even got there, right? Like that's not something people like, I think, teach you. So is there a school you went to or was it something you self-developed and then went on your own? funny you ask that because I've never really gone in a straight, normal path when I've gone after anything. So um, my career really started in radio broadcasting, and I was on a radio station, and I interviewed authors mostly. I interviewed lots of different people. I had music shows at times, too. So broadcasting was really my career. And I had a talk show. I was interviewing lots of different people. And at some point, I just had this growing kind of uh, impatience and dis-ease inside somewhere because I wanted to be more in control of my destiny and more in control of my future and not have someone else determining who I was going to talk to and if I had a job or not and, you know, all those kinds of things. I wanted more control. And so as I was booking these various people to be on the show, I would be pitched by publicists far and wide, you know, from all over the country, mainly from New York and Los Angeles, but people are, are everywhere, especially now um, with technology and such. But people were pitching me, and I thought, you know, I could do that. And I started writing down, like, the things that they did that were really good and the things that they did that were really terrible. I would never do that. If I was a publicist, I would never do that, ever. That's a bad thing to do. Or this one's really good. In fact, the guest was mediocre. I really wanted to have the publicist on the show because she really nailed it, you know. Um, and so a time came when I wanted to launch my own business, and that's that's really what I did. I had an opportunity. There was someone I knew who had a book and, in fact, turned into a whole series of books. And I said, hey, you know, let me uh, let me let me try that. Um, and so, so that's really, that's what launched me. I was working for, um, a conference and retreat center and the director of it, uh, got a big book deal with Bantam Doubleday Dell at the time. And they asked me if I wanted to help with it. And so I did. And, and really what launched me was after I picked up a couple clients, I went off on my own. So that's kind of, it was a very interesting route. There, I, as far as I know, there is not a school for that, to answer your question. <laughs> Some people take college courses and they major in public relations and that sort of thing. But generally, that's representing companies and that sort of thing. And I really wanted to work with authors. That's so interesting. You're a uh, your radio show host. That, that's wild. I didn't, never would have guessed that. That's kind of cool. And it's nice how you picked up some tips. Was it scary changing? Because I know for a lot of people, like, changing what they're used to is very difficult. So for you, when you took that leap to quit your job and, and tried to, uh, and become a publicist, was it, was there the fear there? Like, am I making the right decision? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Um, but there was a deeper, something deeper inside that knew it was the right decision. So yes, I was nervous about it. I had read things like you should have a year's worth of your salary saved up before you step on, and I certainly didn't have that. Um, you should have six months saved up. I didn't have that either. Uh, but it was it was the right thing for me to do. I, just, I can't even explain that really. It was just somewhere I knew deep inside it was the right thing to do. And the truth is I was in the black from you know the first month that I went out. So that confirmed that it was the right decision for me. But for anybody facing that sort of decision, you know, I wish I had a, a, a crystal ball and can tell you the exact answer. You just have to kind of uh, tune inside and 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 really determine if if you want to go in the direction that that decision will take you, and if you're willing to take 100% of your energy and move it in that direction and not spend a lot of time in fear. It will come up at times, but if you direct it towards making the thing you want to happen, happen, it will happen. It will happen. So very often when people want to make a decision, they're split about it. They stick a couple toes in the water. They maybe put a foot in the water. They pull it back. And you really have to, you're either all in or, or don't go yet. That would be my advice. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, <laughs> I think that's great. You sometimes have to sort of take those risks. And a lot of people don't like risk taking, right? They want to play it safe and that's fine. But some of these, you know, if you have these goals and passions, you know, sometimes you'll never achieve them because of that. 
And there's never well, a secure, you know, I think, I don't think there's really ever a fully secure path with, you know, the way things change in life. So it's like, you're, you're caught up in these moments when you have those thoughts, is this the time? And by the time you, if you don't do it, the next time you think that may be too late. So it's, uh, it's, it's one of those, it, life's very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Someone said to me, um, oh, a couple of months ago, she said, I just don't think I could do what you do. I just couldn't give up the security that I have working for someone else. And my response was, you think that's security? That does not look secure to me. You work for someone else and you don't have the power to say whether or not you can continue working there. Maybe they have budget cuts. Maybe they decide to trim down whatever. Maybe they decide to sell the company and, and go with someone else. And then suddenly you're out on your own. And if you're not really building your networks, then you're kind of in trouble. Um, and so that looks very insecure to me. So here's the thing. Working for myself, I'm never going to fire myself. Oh, that's good. Good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> I give myself a good Christmas bonus. You know, wow. And I actually give myself a vacation. So, you know, uh, you don't always get that when you work for someone else. That's true. That's very true. Um, so, yeah, good for you. Because, like, taking that risk and then seeing it pay off is got to be the greatest feeling ever. I know we had a couple people on who've taken risks. And when they reach that moment, they're just like, yes, I'm so glad. Like, that, that euphoria is amazing. You know, and it's just you have to sort of in those moments of say the fear or, you know, like really making that decision and people criticizing your decision, which I'm guessing you probably had people saying, what are you doing? Yes. <laughs> you have to sort of stay strong in what you do. You do. That is so true. Yes, I had I had a number of people saying, you're crazy. What are you doing? That whole thing. And you do. You have to stay strong in your own decision. And it's not that you don't have your own self-doubts at times. But you 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 make a decision and you move forward, and also um, you can celebrate that and feel really good about that. But it's all cyclical too. So even as you're out on your own and you're having success, there may be times when you're not being quite as successful. I think of you know the Great Recession that happened in 2008, and in my work, it didn't really hit me until. Uh, 2010, about two years later. And then many of my clients were, their own businesses were, you know, challenged at that point and they couldn't afford a publicist in the moment. So I had to relook at what I was doing and reach out to different kinds of people, figure out different marketing. And it was fine. It all turned out to be fine. There's a certain amount of faith that you develop when you go through these different cycles because you know you're going to get through it and it's even going to be better. But it's only through going through a few of those cycles do you really begin to believe it and understand it and trust it when you're in it. And that's a, a really wonderful thing to experience and to know deep inside you're going to be fine. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. And you just, just tell the confidence you have in yourself and your ability. And, you know, you can't buy that. You can't get trained in that. This is something that happens within yourself. And so I think that's a beautiful quality about who you are and your, you know, all the people that, you know, your clients and stuff are lucky to have someone like you that has that. Right. So, yeah. um, so cool. So amazing. I could just, I'm like, where should I go now? Right. <laughs> like there's so many things to talk about. <laughs> I do want to actually say, since we did that, uh, we, we touched on, um, sometimes, you know, having faith in yourself and, pursuing something even though people don't want you to i remember way back when i was in high school um is when i first started believing that you know dreams had some type of meaning for me and all my friends thought i was crazy and they actually had an intervention for me to sort of say like you've gone off the deep end and everything so it's funny but now you see where i am now and it's just like it's really interesting how like even your friends and your family those who love you the most don't always have your best interest because they can't see beyond what they know and so if people are, you know, listening or whatever, and they have desires, don't expect your family or friends to be the ones to support you. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of truth in that, Joshua. I think that they have, I really think they have your best interest at heart, but they're afraid for you. And a lot of times it's because they haven't made those kinds of jumps themselves. And mm -hmm. so since they haven't built that inner faith in their own abilities, drive, whatever it is to go after their passions, then they may be a little reluctant and afraid for you. So you have to look for uh, to others to get that kind of support. You're right. 
you're absolutely oh, right. That's, I really like that. People who don't take risks don't, you know, can't see, you know, don't really see the benefit of other people taking risks. That's really cool. I like right. that. Wow. Yeah. All right. So uh, we just touched on your, your sister um, and in the sort of video. So let's, I'd like to go to that because I think that's a, a part of your journey, especially in the beginning. So did she pass away prior to you making that jump um, to oh, no. being publicist no. or after? It was after. It was quite a bit after. I, I started my business in uh, 1996. So I've been doing this for 22 years. Uh, wow. I know, a long time. That's a, career, <laughs> a long <yeah>. time. <laughs> um, but um, so she passed away it's seven years ago now, which is hard for me to believe it's been that long. Sometimes it seems sometimes it seems an eternity ago and sometimes it seems like yesterday. Time is a funny thing, isn't it? Yeah. Uh but yeah, it was uh twenty eleven when when she passed away. And uh that was uh I, I, that was a very, 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 very difficult time. She was very young, and she developed a rare form of cancer, unfortunately, which was misdiagnosed, by the way, for two years. And um, by the time, uh, one of the three main um, experts in this particular rare form of cancer, when she saw her, she diagnosed it right, correctly, but it was it was too late at this point. And then we lost her. So I was with her um, the days leading up to that. And a couple of days, two days before she passed, we were having this conversation. And she told me, she said, I cannot believe that I didn't go after my dreams. So she was experiencing some regret that here she was at the end of her life. And she hadn't done the things that she really wanted to do. And uh, it hit me really hard. Uh, but anyway, she went into it some more and she said, I, you know, I wanted to, you know, I sh she's a great artist and she wanted to create her business and do all these things, but she was waiting. She was waiting until she, you know, had more money to launch her business. She was waiting until, um, you know, more debt was paid off. She was waiting until the kids were out of school. She was waiting and waiting, waiting, you know, waiting. The kids in school, you know, waiting to do the things. And I hear people say these things all the time. When the time is right, I'll do it. And then here we were, and we were out of tomorrows. And, uh, you know, she was looking at that. It was very, very hard. It was very hard. What did so she go through? I like, what, did, what did you see in her? Like, so when someone, like, reaches that point and they're, and they're dying, like, what kind, what was, was she just crying? Was she just, like, what were the conversations you guys were having? It wasn't, she wasn't crying. It was, it was more reflective. It was just like she was looking over her life. I mean, clearly there was disappointment uh, and regret. She wasn't crying, but she was very reflective. And um, it was just very, very poignant. And it's one of those times when I really didn't know what to say. So... <laughs> I didn't say anything. I just listened because I don't know what, what do you say? You don't say, oh, you know, it'll be better next week. Can't say that because it isn't going to be better next week. I mean, so um, that was the context of the conversation. She, I just let her talk and she, you know, spoke all these things. Um, wow. And, and, and then I was going to say in her dream, uh, you just touched on that. So did you like go into depth on like what she really wanted? So, I mean, we have over the years. This isn't the first time I had I had heard that. I mean, she was a very talented artist, and she made jewelry, and she also was extremely talented with color and shapes, and uh, and she wanted to make jewelry and and uh, be an artist in that way. And she just she was doing all these other things, you know, to make money. Yeah. And to pay the mortgage and, you know, do, do the whole thing and not doing what she really, really wanted to do. And so here we were, you know, discussing that. And as I believe I shared with you before, maybe you saw on that video, um, I reflected on that for a long time. After she died, I it sat with me for a long time. And, you know, I couldn't help her at that point. But, you know, I made a decision in my own life that, you know, I was going to go after my dreams and, 
if anyone else wanted help with theirs, I was going to help them too. So, you know, as a publicist, a lot of people do want to be more visible and want to be in media more and they want stories and they want to get out there and they want to tell their story. And so my decision was I couldn't help her in that moment anymore, but I could help others. And so it was a way for me to kind of channel that angst into, again, helping others. It was my way of kind of dealing with that. Yeah, it's nice. It's interesting how, you know, with you as a, a sibling that she still didn't have the courage to take those risks. And, you know, like, it's so like it's courage and faith and all that stuff. It's so individual and it doesn't like doesn't run in the family, it seems. And I think that's interesting. It's something you got to cultivate on your own. And, you know, so I'm guessing she looked up to you and, and was kind of probably a little jealous that, you know, like you were able to take those risks. Well, you know, she couldn't. Um, but that's nice how you reflected on that and tried to make some meaning out of it and to make your business even more meaningful to you. Because like as, a, as you're talking, I'm thinking, well, like if you're helping others now, I'm guessing there's a part of you that's memorializing your sister, right? Like for all those people who couldn't do it, it's like now I get a chance to help these people uh, reach their dreams. Absolutely. And you bring up a really interesting point that I don't think I've really talked about before. And that is that she she also said to me, she said, I, she says, you, do you have no fear? You're out there and you're doing this and this and you have no fear. And I looked at her, I said, are you kidding me? I said, I'm afraid all the time. <laughs> you know, I am. I mean, not all the time, but you know what I mean. I mean fear are you scared out. right now? <laughs> I am scared right now, Joshua. What are you going to ask me next? No, I mean, <laughs> uh, but it was, it was an interesting thing that she looked at me as someone who had no fear. She somehow had the idea that if someone was out there doing what they really wanted to do and making some things happen, that they must not have fear. And that's, that is clearly not the case. There is yeah. there's fear, of course. It's taking it's doing it anyway. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's the challenge, right? But a lot of people when they do see you, right, they look at you and you're like all they see is who they see now. They don't see who you were when you were making that decision. And so a lot of people, you know, get I think um you know, I guess a wrong understanding on what it looks like to face fears and what that really means. Because you look at, you know, a bunch of celebrities, they've all faced fears in a different way. But all a lot of people do is they see that, oh, my God, they're in this top movie or they're making this much money. They don't realize what struggles they went through to become that, right. you know, and I think that is I don't know how you 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 build that in yourself, but it definitely can be built. And it's like through educated risk taking, as I would like to say. <laughs> yeah. I, absolutely. I think that's really true. You don't see other people's internal struggles. So when they do something and it looks really easy, um, again, to to respond to what you're saying or to underline what you're saying, there's a lot that goes into that. They have their own internal struggles. Everybody does. Everybody does. It's very easy to look outside and say, oh, you know, they can do it because they have you know, whatever. They have a family that supports them. They have money. They have this. They have that. Uh, it's still an inside job. It's still an inside job. You still got to do it. Absolutely. That's what I it like comes that. down to. Yeah, no, yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah, it's an inside job. And, you know, it's interesting. Yeah, the, I guess like, what we could talk about the excuses. So what excuses do people give for not following their dreams? Um, do you mean people in general when they talk yeah, just, to me? Yeah, like, because uh, they're reaching out to you because they're having difficulties. But I'm guessing you've heard along the way um, some, oh, some of the reasons why they haven't achieved greatness or something, right? Yeah, and it usually comes down to something internal, yes. Um, and so when I do work with people, there there's the two aspects. There's the internal piece that has to be dealt with first. And, and it's because otherwise someone will sabotage themselves. So it's, it usually comes out pretty early on because if I start to say, you know, is there, is there anybody, is there anything you're afraid to talk about in an interview? That's one of the first questions. <laughs> is there anything that really makes you nervous to talk about? And if they tell me yes, then that's the first thing we discuss wow. is what that is. Um, that's pretty good. Ways... I, I got to use that. I got to <laughs> <laughs> you can use any of it. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a that's a really good question. Is there anything you're afraid to talk about or discuss or, or get out there about? 
Um, sometimes it'll come out in their writing. Sometimes it comes out once I start booking interviews for them. And then it's like, <gasps> and I can tell, right? And then we have to do, we do some media training and that sort of thing, which, which helps people a great deal because most of it is just because you haven't done it yet. You haven't yeah. done it before. But once how, you how kind you... of get into I was going to say, like, so how do you train them? Because I know a lot of people usually don't have the opportunities until it comes, right? A lot of people, that's true. Uh, I think it's good to get the training ahead of time so that you're comfortable. So we first thing we do is we talk about, you know, what are your key messages? What are the most important things that you want to share with others? What's the most important thing about your book or about your message that you want to share with others? So I hear about that. And then later on, we'll do some mock interviews where I'll be an interviewer and I will ask some questions and I'll do a couple of really nice softball questions, nice interviews, make sure they can answer the questions and and lead the interview to the next question and that sort of thing. Uh, and then a little bit later on, I'll start throwing some hardballs and I'll start you know, doing what actually happens out there. And at some point, if they can get through that, then anything that gets thrown at them, they'll be fine. That's know? good. Well, yeah, I think you're trained yeah. in the art of interviewing. So that's, that's, that's your early <laughs> career coming out. And that's really, it's interesting that you, you do that. And I think it's, it'd be, it's so beneficial because your interviews is what sells people. You know, as much as you have a book, it's like who you are. That's, it's selling what's inside of it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I listened to an interview one time. This is so funny. I listened to this interview. It was a podcast, actually, and the, and of all things, the host was interviewing a media trainer, and she she really should have known better. But what she was doing was she was answering the interviewer's questions and then just letting it fall. Just she would answer the question, and then that would be the end, just like that. And then after a while, the interview started saying, "And then what? And then what? And then what?" And just put it back on the guest. So she had to, she had to keep the interview going and keep the information flowing. And what she had been doing was leaving it up to the host to take control of the interview. What most people don't understand is when you're doing an interview, it's, it's a dance. It's a conversation and it's a dance and you need to do your part and you need to bring up information to tell the host or the podcaster, here's something we could talk about. And, you know, you share the information and you make it an easy conversation instead of making them stress out and try to figure out what to ask you next. And people do that. So that's another thing that media training uh, can really help them to not do and oh. to keep things really flowing. That's interesting. So I'm guessing public speaking is a great fear of people. So that may actually, they may write something really amazing or do something, have a business, but they're just too scared to, I guess, do the media for it. Yes. And, you know, speakers sometimes have the hardest time doing media interviews because they're used to getting on stage and having control of the audience. And when you get on with a podcaster or a radio host or someone doing an interview, TV host, whatever it is, it's this, again, dance where there's an interaction. You don't just get up there and hold court. And some speakers fall into that. And that's, uh, that's definitely something that that's a pattern that has to be broken. I interviewed someone once. It was a speaker. I interviewed her. I asked one question, and that was it. it for 20 minutes, that was it. Just went on, and I just let her go. And at the end of it, I said, I can't use that. Just want you to know. Oh. <laughs> so, we, <you> know. <laughs> so she said, well, why not? And I said, well, because you just held court. I said, there was, that was not an interview. So we redid it, and it was much better. She just needed to learn. Yeah. yeah. Who, who's there to train you, right? Like, so this is why, you know, like I love talking to you because this is the stuff people need to know, especially if they want to get some of the material out there. Because I know a lot of people that have come on the podcast have written books or they, they're trying to do something with their loss. And so to memorialize them and to, to I guess, to find meaning in their life and, you know, by helping others through either writing or, you know, a website or something else or their own podcast, you know, this is their big thing. They just don't really know where to start. And so it's amazing we're having these conversations because those people can take some tips on practicing, um, getting their friends to practice uh, with you on, you know, giving you some hard questions, some curveball questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would say I would add that something else they could do is to list their most important talking points 
And what can really help with that is if you research other people who have written books on Greece and how is yours different and being able to point out. Because when you're, when you're talking with a media person, especially if it's someone who covers that particular beat a lot, they've heard everything multiple times, usually. So if you can bring to the table um, information that hasn't been heard over and over and over again, you will stand out beyond so many. That's nice. But you're right. Yeah, you're definitely right. Uh, they get the same type of questions or, or people coming on. Even I get like requests and like some of them are very similar. And you're like, hey, what, what, you're right. What makes you different from the last person we just had on? That's nice. That's I, really good advice. Well, I know it can be hard to hear because if you've written a book on Greece, it's, it's a very personal journey. So I, I want to, acknowledge anyone who's doing that, that it is very personable. And this is more, this is when you're ready to take it to the next step and take it out there for people to really see it. Then hopefully you've processed enough of the grief where you're ready to kind of look at it from that point of view. And how can you address this somehow differently than what all has been done before. If you do these things, you will stand out, let me assure you, because most, well, I don't know if it's most, is most correct? 90% haven't. 90%, that's most. Yeah, so, most. Uh, yeah, you're going to stand out. more most. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't like to make two really sweeping comments until I'm yeah. sure if that's accurate. Um, and it is. It's accurate. Yeah, I think that it's very interesting. I think even like we'll just say like authors um, writing the book, I think it's a, a huge part in their grief journey um, because now they're they're putting their story out for people to read and that can be very intimidating. But then the next step you write is then talking about it and remaining, you know, having some composure uh, throughout the interview because you're going to be right. touching on some stuff. So it's like really coming to terms like that internal journey, as you're saying, um, with the loss and with the death yeah. and knowing what you want to talk about because you know you could talk about you have like usually you know your time limit and then so you have to you have to have your points as you're saying and so what do you what do you, you know what's the most important thing you can give someone in this hour um, that right. you think they need to hear and so you know that's what you know, I think you're doing an amazing job like I, like just by talking I'm like man like, <laughs> like this is cool <laughs> this is really cool and I know it's helping because I know there's a lot of people who, who have books and stuff that listen to this and so I know that can help them um, on their way. So that's, that's amazing. Well, you, you touched on a really interesting point there because I think for the first four years, I couldn't have told the story of my sister's death uh, and not just completely fallen apart. So for me, it took, it, took, it took a while, for sure. And you know, the interesting thing about grief, and I know you've written your dissertation now, do you still have to defend it? Is that coming up for you? Yeah, I got to defend it. So it can be like a month or two before yeah, that. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. That's um, that's congratulations. It's really, that's really Thank something. You. Thank you. Yeah, it's oh. uh, it's uh, it's one of those moments where I'm I'm still trying to like take it all in because I, like I still can't believe I'm here. You know, uh, it's, it's fabulous. It's just it's going to be very interesting to see where you go with all of this because this is going to be your life's work, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm. Uh, the The story is just about to begin. I guess a lot, a lot of people like to say, right? Like, so the doors are going to open, and you'll see, like, what what happens um, because of it. But for me, right now, like, my whole goal when I started this was just to answer some questions for the bereaved, because you know I wanted to make meaning for my loss, and and lo and behold, I got to my PhD doing it. And then I'm like, I wonder what else is going to be happening because it seems to be an important topic. And you're just like, wow, yeah. like. How did I get here? You know, how did something so tragic lead me in such a beautiful road? Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a, grief in, it, in and of itself is a really bittersweet kind of, kind of experience. Um, and and you know, for people, you, like, when you had your, you said you had that four years there with your sister, yeah. like, mm -hmm. so could you take us through that a little bit and like maybe something that, you know, what you learned along the way and if it changed um, something about your outlook in life at all? You know what? What it taught me, it taught me so many things. Oh, gosh, I, so many things. But probably one of the main things is we, we live our lives as if we have forever. I'm sure we've all heard this. 
But when someone dies that's really close to you, it just seems so unbelievable that this could happen. And then my dad died two years after her. So there was, you know, quite a period of time that I was going through this, and I still am. I still am. And one thing I remember that was really good for me was I cried whenever I needed to, and I didn't care where I was. And I figured anyone around me, if it made them uncomfortable, well, they could learn something from that. <laughs> that was the attitude I took. And, uh, you know, I just wasn't going to hold it back. I, and I wasn't going to pretend it wasn't there, because it was. And so I spent a lot of time digging in my garden, because that helped me to just ground myself, as corny as that sounds. But it really did. Um so losing her, losing my dad, uh, changed my outlook in many ways. And one thing also, a second thing that it taught me is that they, those experiences change us forever. You know, those, there are those, I hear people say interesting things like, oh, you'll feel better. You're going to feel better soon. You know, you'll get through this and that sort of thing. But you know what? Yes, it changes, but you never really get through it. I mean, it's, it changes you. It changes who you are. And uh, so I learned that. And I remember my dad saying to me some time ago, he uh, he said, Joanne, this is shortly before he died, he said, um, live your dreams because it's later than you think. Mm. And I'm like, really? It's really? I mean, it kind of startled me. But that's that was his point was, you know, live your life now uh, because, you know, it goes fast, I think was the message. Yeah. You know? Well, Wow. Those are some of the things. Yeah, and I think those are, are great points. Was there something that, like, like <laughs> for you to cry, it's so funny because when you said, like, you, uh, you'd you cry, like, if you felt the tears coming and you didn't really yep. care. And I think, nope. you know, that goes to your whole journey. Like, you just have the courage to, to do things because you need to do them. Um, and it sort of, it seems to be a trend in your life about you following <laughs> that, you know, that inner voice through work and also through grief. It's, it's very similar, right? Like how you approach life is how you're going to approach, you know, grief and death and, and all that. So I think that's really interesting because, you know, like some people don't a lot, actually, I would say most people don't, <laughs> um, they really hold Joshua, back. <laughs> you just taught me something really incredible. What's that? <laughs> I've never, well, I've never looked at it that way before. I didn't look at it that way before. I appreciate you saying that. Oh no problem. Anytime. I never looked at it. I, I never looked. I never looked at it as courageous. I just looked at it as I have to do this, and that's the way it is. And you'll just have to adopt. <laughs> 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 Which sounds pretty self-absorbed, but I was, you know, because no. yeah. it's a, you know, it's a very difficult thing. So, and I've it told is. people that when they go through loss, just cry when you need to. Cry when you need to. And I think if people can do that, it's going to not only change their grief, it's going to change their life because now they're doing things because they feel they need to. Um, and so I like just looking at your life, it's almost like it'd be the other way around. It's like grief can teach them to become, you know, better risk takers in their life and follow their dreams um, if they can sort of, you know, feel those emotions or feel those things out despite where they are. I think that's actually a really interesting uh, thing. You just taught me something on how, you know, feeling emotions can actually benefit you in your journey moving forward beyond just feeling emotions, but in who you are and your, um, and the way you attack life. Oh, interesting. I'll have to listen back to this. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, for that. you no, it's just, you never know, right? Like what comes out in people's journeys, because, you know, to me, like, I'm just like picturing your life in my mind. I'm like, oh, that's an interesting pattern that's going on there. And it can make sense. And then so making sense of your life and who you are through that journey that you're on. And it's just amazing to see that because uh, not everyone has that same path. Right. Everybody has a different path. That's for sure. Yeah. And so yeah. do you, do you personally have any dreams left that have not been fulfilled? Oh my goodness. A million. See, I see life as a, a constant, a constant growth experience. And where I am in my life right now and what I notice listening to people is there's kind of this tendency toward, um, gosh, you know, I'm getting older, you know, you hit 40, you're starting to get older. Oh, I have some aches and pains. I mean, I'm, you know, and I mean, I'm just getting warmed up. Okay. <laughs> I am only just starting to figure a couple of things out. 
And there's a lot more to learn, right? So, yes, to answer your question, I have a lot of dreams, a lot of dreams. I just studied the bumblebee here recently. Are you familiar with bumblebees? You know much about them? The bee itself? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, or, or the transformer. I know there's a transformer called bumblebee. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, the, the actual little critter. Yeah. Oh, no, it, no, yeah. I was just interested because I was out in my garden and they were everywhere around my Budlia. There were so many of them and I thought, and they were so beautiful and I thought, I have to go look you up, you know, and they live 28 days and only the female has a stinger and they don't sting you unless you threaten them. They're really, they're not like yellow jackets. My point with that is just (laughs) that, you know, everything is interesting, pretty much. Pretty much everything is interesting. And so it's being open and continuing to learn and, you know, talking to people like, this is wonderful. I mean, having an opportunity to talk to you and you ask these brilliant questions and, So I think staying open in life, no matter your age, no matter what you're doing, uh, to to continue with a curiosity and a passion to learn, to me, is is number one. It's number one. Yeah. I think that's interesting. So what what I'm getting is you have your dreams, but every time you fulfill a dream or a goal, there's always another one that comes around. It's like you're never done. Like your goals are never done, per se. Right. Right. That's right. That's right. And as you learn new things, um, it uh, integrates into who you are and changes you again as to who you're becoming. And I think embracing that and throwing in a lot of fun along the way is, you know, the way to go. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I like that. You know, I said like how you're always growing. And so it's not, you're not taking it it doesn't seem like you're taking them so seriously because some people will take their dreams so seriously. It's like, I need, this is my dream. And if this doesn't happen, I'm going to regret my entire life. It's more of like you make the effort for that dream um, and then also have other dreams as you're pursuing. So it's not like just one dream you're pursuing. Like life's like, you should have many dreams and pursue them when the time is right sort of thing. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And like with my business, if we get, if we look at, you know, like the day-to-day and building a business, and for me, it's, you know, it's it's working with my clients and, you know, making them happy and getting their message out into the world. I still love doing that, and I'm still doing that, and I will continue to do that for as long as, you know, I enjoy it and until something else comes along where, you know, it may be time to transition into something else. But I, those, I still have dreams with that. Absolutely. And, and dreams with, you know, my family and uh, my community and things that I want to learn and change where possible. So I know some people get focused in on one thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's okay for a while. Uh, but there are many things. There are many right. things. So to me, it's, it's important to stay flexible. And, you know, some people, I think this is an interesting point, because some people, when they're, when they're at work and they're working, they think about the weekend and how they want to go out and play and do things. And then when they're out playing and doing things or playing with their kids or whatever, they're thinking about that email they should be answering. And see, that's sort of backwards. I think when you work, you work 100%. And when you're off and playing, you play. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that seem to make sense? Yeah, yeah, it's being in the the moment of what you're doing and being appreciative of that moment of whatever you're doing. And right. you can even reflect on how that relates to a goal of yours that you probably have, which is maybe being a, a great parent or, you know, making money to be a great parent or, you know, having a good job. You know, like so all this sort of stuff is it's interesting. Right? You're saying that just just these different goals and when you're in that mode of that goal, like you have that, but you know, don't make your life one goal. Right? Like Right. Building friendships right. and said your community and family, like those are all other goals you have and understand yes. those, right? Like, so don't like sabotage your family life and your relationships to try to pursue one goal because then you're going to look back and say, I wish I had those, that family and, and those relationships once you uh, achieve that goal. So, um, yeah, it's a delicate band, a dance that is your, like, as the, an interview is, and life's a delicate band, a dance of, of finding your goals and reaching them. And, you know, they said, like, going with the flow a little bit on when to take them very seriously, like in the moment, and when to sort of pivot to another goal for the moment. Right. 
and being satisfied along the way, being happy and satisfied with where you are along the way rather than just only allowing yourself to be happy once you accomplish it. Right. Because then you're delaying everything. I mean, you can still have your goals, but enjoy each process along the way. And that includes what might look like setbacks because they happen. But it's it's something to learn. It's something to adjust to. And it, I mean, how many times have you said, boy, I'm really, even though that was a setback, I'm really glad it happened because then this happened, this happened, this happened, and I learned this. We do it all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's it's taking a bigger perspective, a broader perspective of everything, being satisfied where you are while you're moving toward the other things that you want. I think that's a real key in life. I have to do that with my clients because as we're booking media for them, I mean, there's lots of things I don't get. You know, we'll try after, we'll try top tier media, all kinds of things, and lots of people tell me no. And then I'll keep, you know, I'll keep coming back with new ideas and such until eventually they'll say yes. But if I got all shut down and depressed because I heard a bunch of no's, I would never get anything done. <laughs> you know? Following, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. yeah. That's, that's good advice. It's really good advice. Um, and hopefully people are listening to actually like what you're saying. I think that's amazing. It's, it's really amazing. And I'm glad you're, you're here speaking about this topic. I'm curious, actually, what was one goal that your dad had that he achieved in his life that he was really proud of? Oh, gosh. My dad was a scientist, and um, he loved learning how things worked. And so he, you know, he was involved in the space program and computers, and uh, he was he was always involved in all of that. And I remember as he got older, I remember calling him on the phone once, and I said, hey, what are you doing? He says, I'm taking my cell phone apart. And I said, why? He says, well, I want to understand how this piece of it works. That's just who he was. So he was always, I, at one time when I was younger and living at home, I left for the day, and when I came home, he moved a wall in the house. Not only did he move it, but, I mean, he re- he did all the, uh, uh, you know, the electrical wiring, and I mean, it was a, it was moved in one day. So, um, to answer your question, <laughs> he uh, he's one of my heroes because I, I I'm really happy that I have him as a role model because he was vibrant and was a thriving, learning person his entire life. So, and he was happy most of the time. Um, I think he learned and was proud of the fact that he built a really good life. He had three kids. He had a good, a good business, and he did all the things that he wanted to do. Amazing. Well, that's great, and yeah. it's great that he was a, a role model for you, and which yeah. would, which would affect you immensely when you know he died. I'm curious. Have you had a dream of your sister or your dad since they died? Oh, many. Yes. Really? Yes, like yes. so Recent, you have yes. oh, so many. <laughs> what were some of the more, more memorable ones to you on your, your journey? Well, you know, my 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 mother died when I 25 years ago and she came to me in a dream 6 months after she passed away and she had been very sick. I'd only known her really as as not well. And when she came to me in my dream, she was completely healthy, completely vibrant, shining. I didn't recognize her at first. I said, Mom, yes. And it was just like, I couldn't believe it. It was so, it was so profound to me that, I don't know if you'll understand this, Joshua, but for two days, it was like my whole past changed. For two days, I felt kind of dizzy and like all my memories were being affected by this new piece of information that she was actually healthy. I don't know if that makes any sense, but anyway, so she told me she was fine. Um, I had a dream of my sister. Well, my other sister, Janet, had this dream uh, about a year after my sister Joyce passed away. And in her dream, Joyce put her hand on her forehead and said, I'm not coming back. And it was, that's when it really hit Janet that she was gone. So that was, uh, that was pretty powerful. 
And then I just had a dream with my, my, my dad came to me about a week ago, and he was we had an old neighbor. I was like four years old, and I remembered this neighbor that I hadn't thought of in years. And he said, we have to go visit Mrs. Jones. And I said, we do? And he says, yes. So I jumped in the car. It was this big old Cadillac with the top down, and we went to go find Mrs. Jones. I wish I could tell you it was something really profound, but that was the dream. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's the simple sort of dreams that mean stuff to us, right? And just unique. Uh, well, how old was your dad in that dream? Was it the age where he died, or was he younger? Oh, he was younger. He was probably about 30. Oh, no way. Isn't that funny? It is, yeah. Because in the dream, were you the age you are now, or were you younger? I don't know. It'd be interesting if was... your dad was younger than you. <laughs> he might have been. Wow. He might have been. I think he, he might have been. Yeah, he might have been. I had thought about it at the time, but um, yeah, he might have been. Dreams are a funny thing. Of course, you know all about that. Yeah, I do. Yeah, that's <laughs> your nice thing. It's nice that you've had these experiences, and I'm guessing, like, did they bring you comfort along your along the journey? You know, one thing that I can say is in the dreams that I've had, a couple in particular that I remember, I I remember feeling a really, really warm embrace and just feeling the deep love that I had for them and that they had for me. And I woke up, I remember waking up with that feeling of that deep love, which told me they're still with me. And that was powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's uh, it's beautiful to hear that. Um, and just like, so like the imagery you provided, especially with your mom, I thought it was really interesting and in how it, it was changing your memory of her because you've only seen her as uh, ill. Yeah. Um, I think it's just like it's amazing what these dreams can do to not only our emotions and our you know emotion regulation, but also our memories of the person. I think it's fascinating. And, you know, thank you for sharing those dreams. And you know, I wish you, you know, hope you continue to have these amazing dreams and meet old neighbors that <laughs> you may have forgot about. <laughs> thank you, Joshua. I appreciate that. <laughs> That's funny. Okay, so for our uh, the question we like to wrap up the uh, podcast with is if you could have a dream of someone or all the people that have died um, tonight, what dream would you want to have? I saw something on Facebook once where uh, someone posted, it was probably going around, but it was a picture of a bench. And the question was, if you could sit down with the person most important to you for a half hour, what would you say? And I would like to have a dream where I could sit down with each person and tell them, you know, what's really in my heart. All those things that I didn't necessarily say when they were here and with me uh, because I was too busy thinking nothing would ever change and not realizing that things would change. Um, so I would like to have dreams where I could sit down and, and just open my heart and tell them face-to-face -face and, and get another big hug. That's what I would like. That's yeah. nice. No, I like that. And there's there's something beautiful about, like, in these dreams where we receive love and feel love. There's something else, too, about speaking love to others. Because, you know, I think you're absolutely right. I know in my life, um, there's moments, if the person would have died, I was like, oh, man, I should have told them how much like I cared about them and what they mean to me. Because those moments, you know, like, we don't, something don't take advantage of those enough. Um, just to remind people what they mean to us. And that's what you're talking about, because you never know when they can go. Um, and you never know how it can even affect you to be able to express that love to someone. That's right. That's uh, right. And, you know, and it's funny because in life, you can get irritated by people. I mean, you know, we all irritate each other at times. And, you know, uh, some family members get estranged to each other. And, I mean, all kinds of things can go on. And I understand how complex that can be and how you maybe don't want to be close to someone because they did you wrong and all of that. But the truth is, there is an end to all of it. Uh, it's not something we face until really we lose somebody. But once, once they're gone, you can talk to them in your heart and all of that. But you're never going to have them standing in front of you where you can say these things. So as long as you, like if you have your parents call them and tell them or go see them and tell them how much you love them. I'd give anything if I could do that. I really would. 
Um, so do it. Do it. Let them know, you know, how much you love them. It's really important. I like that. And hopefully your kids. Do you have kids? You have kids, right? Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully your kids hear this podcast and <laughs> tell you how much they love you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's amazing. Right. I, think, I think that's a great point. And it's something that, you know, this week, if people can, to take that time to, you know, voice your love to people and voice your appreciation to them because, you know, you may need to say and they may need to hear it because people forget real easy. You know, it's funny. Oh, yeah. I tell it. I think I told my mom maybe like a couple months ago, you know, I guess, you know, I just have a one-on-one with her and I said how much, you know, I appreciate her and what she's done for me in my life. She started crying. I'm like, why are you crying? Like, did you forget? Like, <laughs> I told you this like a couple of years ago. Or, um, but it's just funny. People people need it though, right? Like, because our mind is a funny thing and it's not that, it's not like we get these positive things coming at us all the time. So um, voicing your love to others and appreciation can really benefit, you know, everyone involved. Oh, you're a good kid. <laughs> that's a good thing to do yeah that's what i was going nice. for <laughs> <laughs> i once asked my dad i said hey dad are you old i think he was i don't know might have been i'm not sure 60 at the time I said hey dad are you old he says oh no joanne old is always 18 years out in front of you <laughs> oh <laughs> no matter what age you are it's 18 years out in front of you okay <laughs> I miss, I used to call them dadisms. I kind of miss those. Mm. Yeah, but, the little quirks people say, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So hopefully, I, you know, hopefully you can get one of those dreams. And if you do, uh, please let me know. I'd love to hear about it. Yes, I will. And I'll keep listening to the podcast. And, uh, you know, I just, I wish you all the success in the world. Can't wait to see what you do about, with all of this and where you go. And thank you for giving me an opportunity to share all this with you today. No, thank you for coming on and supporting the podcast. It's not every day, you know, um, we get a publicist that likes the work we're doing. So uh, how amazing that is. And thank you for the support. You know, really appreciate it. You know, because, you know, anyone on their journey just, you know, the you appreciate the support because not everyone is supporting what you're doing. So thank you right. for that. Definitely appreciate it. So if someone wants to become uh, a media darling, is that we call it? Yeah. Your media darling. I'm not sure if you ownership over that. Um, what, what can they do? How can they find you? You know, you want to share that, those details? Sure. Yes. I have a website, joannemccall.com. I think on there is my, uh, there's a contact page. You can, send me you can send me an email which is joanne at joannemccall.com and i'm all over social media too if you want to connect that way so uh, i'm i think i'm pretty easy to find yeah and please do i'd love to hear from you amazing and i and i went on your website and there's a lot of the videos they they say something about taking an assessment so what's that about well yeah it's an assessment that uh, asks you questions about media, your experience in media, whether you've had any or not. I think it's a really good test to take or quiz to take. Test sounds so, you know, it sounds so academic, like what you've been going through, uh, but a quiz. And what I like about the questions is it kind of gives you an idea of the sorts of things that you need to know about if you're going to go out and step in front of the media. Um, and so, yeah, I invite you to take that. It will give you a good idea. And then from that, I think there's like a 20-minute conversation that can happen if you want to discuss the possibility of moving even further. So there's plenty of ways to get a look at this and see what you want to do. Amazing, amazing. So hopefully, if you guys are interested in learning more, you know, check her out. Check the site out. There's lots of uh, good information and resources for you. And say, like, if you want to take the next step, you know, like... Uh, I vote for her. So, uh, you know, go and, and, and try her out and have that conversation and see if she fits well with you because, you know, she seems to be a very genuine character, which, you know, like I love and I love how open and honest you were and about your struggles and your journey so far. And I know that that who you are can help a lot of other people reach, reach that state and to gain the confidence that they can reach that state. Um, so I appreciate you know, that, Joshua. So thank you for once again. Just thank you for coming on. It was a great, uh, great interview. I just love talking. <laughs> oh, thank you. It was so much fun. Say hi to your co-host for me. I'm sorry I missed him today, but I'll hear them on your next podcasts. 
All right. And so just to wrap up with uh, our stuff. So if you want to learn more about the grief dream stuff, uh, check out griefdreams.ca for more information on the topic. You can check out our Facebook group. Uh, and then if you uh, go to the Facebook group, uh, if you have these dreams, share them. People love hearing about them and you can see a lot of other people's dreams that they have. And you can check us out on Instagram and Twitter. And we have a new YouTube channel and Instagram TV channel. So you want to check those out. And if you want to be a, on, a guest on the podcast yourself, uh, feel free to email us your story and what would you like to share. And as we like to end the podcast with love and gratitude from us to you. introduced myself you have introduced yourself this is a very good conversation